Welcome, welcome, welcome to season one, episode five here at Working Well. As always, I'm Declan. I'm Josh. And today we are asking a big question, which is whose responsibility is it to change culture at work? And there's kind of two schools of thought on this. (laughs) Is it a top-down responsibility? That is, is it management, the executive board, the leaders, the founders? Is it their job to be held responsible and accountable for the culture at work and the changes that they want to make to culture at work? Or is it a bottom-up responsibility? That is, is it the responsibility of the people on the front line, on the floor, the staff as a, I guess in a way as a whole, to then uh, influence and drive forward change and suggest change to those founders and managers and leaders in the workplace? Yeah, and I think before we start the discussion, I'd invite you to ask yourself the question, yeah, which do you think it is? Um, Because (laughs) before we started, I know I expressed, um, should we check that we have the same opinion on this one? Because we might have differing opinions. And then Declan said, no, we'll explore it in the show, so it'll be a bit of fun. Um, But, yeah, ask yourself the question. Do you think it's the employee's responsibility or is it more of a top-down leadership responsibility to change culture? And with that question posed, let's jump straight into the show. Okay, Josh, throw it to us. What? What? Straight up? Yeah, straight up. What is your answer to that question and why? What are your thoughts? (laughs) When you opened the – when you told me what the title of today's podcast episode would be – I did sit with it for a second and kind of intuitively, I think the answer for me is both. Mm. Um, And intuitively, I think you share that opinion, but we'll see. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's, yeah, a two-way street. Culture can come from both directions and obviously there's different strengths and um, weaknesses from either side, Mm. you know what I mean? Um, I don't want to disempower the employee um, in this case and kind of leave, let's say you are an employee, a cog or whatever you want to call yourself in in, um, in your organisation. I don't want to disempower you um, and think that you can't have an impact on the culture because um, I feel like the, the, the kind of non-intuition response here is, of course, it's the leader's responsibility. Of course, it's the visionary's responsibility to change and manage the culture in an organisation. But, yeah, as I touched on, I, I think it's both. Um, well, because curiosity is um, getting the better of me before I get deep into it, I want to know what your answer is, Declan. Yeah, I'd, I'd also echo both, but with a caveat that I think it's a 60-40 responsibility. Okay. So I think just... But which way? Yeah, I think just because of access to resources yes, and access to power yes. to make change, I would tip it 60% is the responsibility of top-down. Yes. And again, just because of hiring and firing capabilities, of onboarding and offboarding, of um, procedures and systems that they put into place, the management and leadership team have a little bit more influence or capacity to influence culture. But a massive chunk of it, like 40% is still huge, Yes, is directly driven by each and every individual on the team. And I also think of that through not just the big things that we think when we think of culture around, well, what are the systems and procedures we have in place for culture? How do we structure the day? How do we hire and fire people? Those are big culture changes. But I also think of micro-cultured moments. 
And I think a lot of the opportunities for those are directly in the hands of the staff. So mm. I'm talking how you choose to show up in the office, how you choose to interact with your ch- team, how you choose to leave a smile or an impact on someone else's face by being in the office or at work that day. Yes. That's entirely your responsibility. Yes. And it's something that you can take full ownership of, even if the top down approach to culture leaves a lot to be desired. Yes, and there is an element here from the top-down perspective because, in my opinion, I believe those kind of, not questions, but those personality-driven things Mm. are powerful things to consider in the hiring process. Yes. How is this person going to fit? Yeah, sure, they've got the hard skills, but do you think they will, yeah, bring a smile to the office? Yeah. And it's obviously something that we believe in so much, not only at Invested Impact Co, but also at BU, to the point where we actually have a team member whose role is head of smiles yes. and experience. And when we talk about her role, so that's Jess, who is amazing. Not only she's one of our coaches at BU, but we said, hey, you're head of smiles and experience, which means you're taking ownership of and responsible for the experience that our members have, the experience that our business partners have, the experience that the community has from being around BU and the experience of our team yes. and putting smiles on each other's faces and looking for those micro moments. Yeah. Um, you know, Jess doesn't necessarily have hiring and firing powers or any of those bigger culture changes that come from top down, but she can act as an example for the rest of our team to then show up in making those smaller touch points that I think when that happens across a board yep. of, of an organization, it, you know, it may seem on its own, you know, being kind to your coworker, putting a smile on their face in the morning, genuinely caring about them. If that happens once, it's like, oh, what do you do? What change without making the culture? That happens across the board, days in, day out, across all of your team. The culture really starts to shift. Yes. And uh, I will also give a mini shout out to Jess that mm. she is incredible at leading with vulnerability. Mm. Um, she really sets a good example that um, I know we've touched on it a few times that you don't have to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, she really opens up to the team and this actually feels really deep connection. Yeah, mm. like I've I've actually used the description um, when I come into the BU office that sometimes I feel like I'm just coming here to hang out with my mates for a bit. Yeah, mm. and of course we're going to do work. There is a balance here and with head and heart, but it's nice to have that feeling and Jess really, yeah, brings that to the team. Mm. I do want to ask you the question, um, if you want to throw out a few examples, what can leaders do Mm. to yeah impact culture from a top-down perspective what are the Mm. first things that come to mind straight away the first things come to mind i'll echo so we spoke about this earlier in the season where we spoke about the five steps to making change in your workplace the v-cup model um you mentioned the quote which i'm a huge fan of what we measure we can manage yes so often i find leaders are flying blind when it comes to their workplace culture because culture can seem like such an intangible Mm. aspect of a workplace like how do you measure it it's not a direct outcome like sales, number of clients, yeah. number of staff, all that. Like, how do you actually get your fingers on it? Yeah. Um, and so I'd recommend measuring it. The way that we do that at BU as well as in, at Invest Impact Co is we have built into our KPIs each week or we call them funders, <laughs> fun numbers, which is part of our culture. Um, we have built in, hey, rate yourself this week on a scale of one to 10 in how much you align with the vision of where we're going in how much you feel connected to the team mm-hmm. and supported by the team. And in how much you feel you upheld each of our three core company values. So be you there, proactivity, practicality, and fun. Because we also like to have a culture of growth where we'll upskill, we measure in there 
did you do two things this week that either improved you personally or improved you professionally? That gives us a really quick touch point as leaders and something visual that we can go, okay, we've got a problem here with proactivity. Yes. Or we have a problem here with our team not upskilling. Or our team is feeling disconnected from each other. Yes. Let's now have those conversations before shit hits the fan. Yeah, I'm glad you got to the second point because, of course, we can just measure. But really, the idea here is, is, is that these numbers facilitate powerful conversations. Yes. Yeah. And I'm a huge believer. I think Brene Brown shares it really well. If we, I get it. If you're listening to this and you're a leader or a manager, having conversations around culture that's not working can be really intimidating. Yeah. Especially if you don't feel equipped to have those conversations. And I also know it's incredibly intimidating as an employee to bring that up with your manager. Mm. But if I'm looking from the top down approach, it, it can be scary to be vulnerable. It can be scary to be like, hey, I don't think that something's working here with our culture. And I want your insight on how we can fix it. Yeah. Right. So you don't have to come up with all the answers yourself. You just open the conversation and be open to receiving suggestions from the team. Because um, it's amazing when you give people the opportunity to share what they want. It's amazing what you'll find out rather than just mind reading. Yeah. And God forbid we're not robots for half a second and yeah. actually admit that, oh, yeah, I didn't really align with this value this week, but I'd love to have a conversation about it. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. yeah. And I think so often, unfortunately, I see from a top down perspective, performance reviews mm. are only based on hard skills yes they're not based on are you feeling aligned to the workplace yeah right they're not hitting the soft skills Brene Brown says it so beautifully if we loop back to having those conversations and being vulnerable you know Brene says if we don't uh, empower ourselves to have difficult conversations with people we will inevitably end up talking about people rather than to them mm. and I think that's such a it's a pervasive cancer on a workplace <laughs> when employees start talking about each other yes. rather than to each other, mm. right? And I think that happens when we're not setting up these systems from a top-down approach on how to improve culture. Yeah. Um, I'm curious from your perspective. I know I've got a few ideas on it, but I want to hear from you. If we look at bottom-up, what are some ways that people can take a little bit of ownership and responsibility over shifting the culture in their workplace? Yeah, well, I think we've already touched on it a little bit um, and it's it's basically what you said there. It's like, okay, if I'm feeling unaligned with some of these values, it is stepping out of that frame where like I'm allowed to be imperfect and I'm going to choose to have a conversation with my manager about yeah where this misalignment's coming from. Mm. Um, so really for me, it's just about you leading the powerful conversations and again, yeah, it's going to be scary. Like, and especially when you go to your manager who kind of has a bit of control over things. Yeah, to open up and say that like, look, yeah, I fumbled this a little bit or like I'm not fitting in this way or I'm not happy about this. That's a scary thing to admit. But I think those conversations are very powerful. And mm. I would probably even say that, um, yeah, at the end of those conversations, you're going to feel a lot better. Yeah, I can almost guarantee it. Well, you know, there's another great saying that we use a lot when we consult with workplaces, resentment only grows behind closed doors. Mm. And so when we're not having these conversations, we get resentful. Yeah. Either of the workplace or of the culture or of each other or of our customers. Like I've, I've met business owners who are resentful towards their own damn customers, right? Think about how that's going to impact your business. When we start having these conversations, yes, they're scary, but they also clear the room. Yes. And they don't. Like it, it, it's, it doesn't allow resentment to grow. It doesn't bubble away behind the surface. Yes. And I'll, I will echo what Josh was saying there about leading it as an individual. A huge thing. It's, we actually recommend it to every workplace that we go into. Now, when we consult with a workplace and we partner with them, 
we don't just force them to fit a process and a mold. We work with them as an individual and go, what's going to work for your culture yes. individually? But one common element that we advise every single workplace that we partner with to put in their culture is no problem without a proposed solution. Mm. The reason for that is, so what we mean by that is a lot of cultures, a lot of workplaces, unfortunately, have in their culture a culture of blame and under-responsibility. So it's, I don't like how this part of the business runs or I don't like this part of the workplace. It's your fault and you need to do something to fix it yeah. rather than how can I influence this? Mm. And unfortunately, what that leads to is the management team, the leadership team, some of which have been thrust into that role and are feeling underprepared anyway, suddenly have all the weight on their shoulders. Yeah, I've heard the analogy of passing the monkey before, right? Okay. So someone comes in and says to their manager, now you imagine if a manager is seeing 15 people a day and each person comes in and goes, hey, I don't like this part mm. of the job or what's going on. I'm going to leave that with you and then I walk out of the room. They basically come in with an angry monkey and said, feed this monkey. It's like, okay, well, I can try and feed this monkey. Next person comes in. Yeah, one monkey's okay. Here's another monkey. Here's <laughs> another. And before you know it, the manager gets to the end of the day, the leadership gets to the end of the day. Oh, it's chaos. And it's chaos. Yeah. There's so many angry monkeys everywhere. No one <laughs> needs that in an office place. And again, this is where they become resentful towards their own team. The biggest mistake leaders make here is they shut themselves off from hearing from their team because they're afraid of getting more monkeys on their shoulders. Mm. So they go, hey, I can't take feedback right now. Yeah, I'm going to close my door. Really what helps, and this is why we recommend it for every workplace we partner with, if there's a culture of, hey, I have this monkey. I don't really know how to feed it, but I've got some ideas. Yeah, I'm not promising that those are the solutions we're going to implement. Yeah, I've brought in some bananas as well. Exactly. Let's try that out. Yeah, yeah let's give it a go. <laughs> yeah, I love nothing more, and we see this a lot at BU. When the team comes to me with any sort of challenge, we've built into a culture that they also go, hey, this is what I think we can do about it. Yeah. And it means I'm not always in problem-solving mode. And it's almost like this unsaid um, energy of like, we're in this together. Exactly. Yeah. We can do this. It's not me versus you. Yes. I'm not throwing the problem at you. Let's work together on this. Yeah. So if you are going to drive culture change from a bottom-up perspective or from a top-down perspective, either way, because sometimes I see that in the reverse. Top-down, manager comes in, we're not hitting our sales, it's your fault, mm. you need to fix it, hurry up and hit your targets. Yes. Not going, hey, I've got some ideas on what we can do. Right. So either way, top-down, bottom-up, obviously you and I both have the same perspective, that's both. Yes. We would recommend for every single workplace and for everyone listening to this, you bring that culture of no problem without a proposed solution. And I don't want to end the podcast without saying as well um, that for both sides, um, it's always going to be beneficial to work on your emotional intelligence, yes. whatever that looks like. Yeah. Um, if that means getting a coach, if that means bringing someone into the workplace to talk on these topics, but emotional intelligence and emotional awareness mm. yeah, is really going to open up a lot of these conversations because you're going to be able to feel and see what exactly is going on. Yeah, because if you can't see where you're at, you know what I mean? If you're not even aware, then where do you go from there? We're flying blind. Yes, exactly. So emotional intelligence is a key skill here um, mm. behind culture. Yeah. So for those listening to the show, as always, what we'd recommend that you do before we officially close out this episode, take a moment, sit with what came up. As I said, these episodes are designed to be short and punchy to plant a seed in your mind of what you can now go and do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's not designed to solve the problem for you or to, um, you know, really make change for you because, A, that's impossible. We're not there with you at the moment. And, B, we don't know your workplace like you know your workplace. This yes. is a partnership. This is about us collaborating and working together. So take the seeds from today's show. Let them 
uh, germinate and what do these do? Marinate? They don't marinate. I think but germinate's correct. Germinate's yeah. correct. I got it right in the first one. <laughs> Let them germinate, sit with them, nurture them, and then implement and put into action uh, what came up. And with that said, brings us to the end of today's show. Beautiful. So if you're already a longtime fan of the show and a big supporter, you'll know that we play a very fun little game at the moment at the uh, <laughs> end of each episode where I put Josh on the spot and throw to him and ask, Josh, what do you hope people got from that episode? Um, why do I always forget that we play this game <laughs> and I don't prepare an answer? Um, what do I hope people got from this episode? Um, I think it, it's what I said at the end probably. The, the one key takeaway is like, yeah, just working on your emotional intelligence, even just you as an individual, can have um, really a ripple effect, which mm. we talk about in BU, because as you start to become aware, um, you might start having more powerful conversations at work because you start to become yeah aware of things and you almost, I've seen it happen, you become this stand, this example mm. of how you can be. Um, and you can even just start posing questions without saying anything to other people of like, oh, yeah, they're, they're really opening up. I can see that this person's growing and changing and they're having an impact on culture now um, and I want to be like that as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So really working on yourself, um, yeah, was, was, was the main thing that I kind of realised is important for culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. What about yeah. you? Um, yeah, I think taking personal, the one that came to my mind was taking personal ownership and responsibility yeah. and going, you know what, I, every single person, if I think, whose responsibility is it to uphold culture at work? It's the responsibility of every single person. Yeah, that's right. There. Yeah. You know, we spoke about it, it's maybe to a varying degree, mm -hmm. but it's still every single person's responsibility. So if you're listening to this, it is your responsibility to uphold the culture at work or yeah. to change the culture at work. You can have an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful one. You know, as Josh was saying, a big part of that is working on yourself and developing yourself. And as always, if that's something that you would like to do in a way that's um, guided and structured and where you have the support and insight of a professional in your corner because sometimes it's hard to do these changes on our own because we can't see our own blind spots. Yes. Then, of course, make sure you head to bucoaching.org, find out more about our personal development and well-being accelerator program there and how you can uh, learn how to manage your mind and master your emotions by getting a professional coach in your corner personally. Or if you want to look more at developing your workplace and going more from the top-down approach, if you're a leader and executive wanting to work on how do we build better systems and structures and better processes to maximize our culture and impact at work, of course, reach out to Josh and I through our consulting firm, Invested Impact Co. As always, you'll find the links to both of those sites in the show notes. And of course, we do ask every episode, if you love the show, you share it with your network. Put it on LinkedIn, share it around your professional community, bring it up in networking conversations. We are fully self-funded. We are fully self-driven and we uh, really do this as a way of giving back. So it means the world to us when we see people sharing these conversations and planting those seeds in the minds of other leaders to make that ripple effect. And join in on the conversation. Again, I've said it. I like to echo this point, but please reach out to us if you have questions, even just to share your takeaways. We, we'd really love to hear from you. Beautiful. So what do we have coming up next week on the show? I'm just going to have a quick look to remind myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have the culture recipe. So we just obviously spoke today about whose responsibility it is mm -hmm. to impact culture. 
But what's the recipe that makes culture? We mentioned briefly in the show that culture can sometimes seem intangible yeah. and a bit wishy-washy. Yeah, what are we're, the elements that go into it? We're really going to break that down and go, hey, at the end of the day, this is what forms culture. Nice. So make sure you have subscribed to the show so you get a notification when that next episode drops. And we'll be talking to you next week.